Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Sean Clark, head football coach of App State Mountaineers, and you're listening to the Fun Boat Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Many positives from Saturday, but we have to eliminate the self-inflicted wounds uh, to make sure we, um, or the team, we're capable of being, which I think we can. So week three, I think another fairly successful week across the Sun Belt. I mean, definitely successful for the three of us. We got to watch some games, have a good time. Yeah. You know, and you know, that that's all that really matters, right? Is if the three of us have fun watching the games that we watch. Hey, it's all about having fun. Shame. It's not about, you know, wins or losses or whether your team is playing well or not. It's just, it's just, it's all about the journey. Although I think there are some teams around the Sun Belt who would be pretty happy with where they stand wins and losses wise right now. I think, <laughs> you know, so, some undefeated teams, some teams with some big wins. And I think we're going to go ahead and recap them all and kind of, uh, kind of discuss what happened in week three, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. But I want to ask you a question. Okay. There, there are three undefeated teams in the Sun Belt. How many votes collectively did they receive in the AP Top 25? I, I'd be curious. I didn't check for myself. I'm sure it's a <laughs> lot. I'm sure there was like we got close to breaching that membrane that would get us in the Top 25. Shane, as a member of the press, perhaps you can enlighten us to how many, how close did these teams come to being at AP top 25 member. Uh not very close. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, they, they were um there were not I don't think any votes around yeah. for the uh, Sun Belt this week. Uh even for the teams that kept winning. It's a little surprising. I mean, I think part of that certainly had to do with some upsets elsewhere. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, people who might have been thinking about voting for a JMU or whoever else then may have replaced them with somebody like Missouri on their ballot who beats yeah. Kansas State. And mm. you know but, that that neg- that negates the uh, big win for JMU at Troy a little bit when Kansas State had already beaten Troy pretty bad. So so I, I mean I, I get it to a certain degree how they fell off some ballots. I still just don't understand why there's not more group of five teams on the verge at this point. Yeah, yeah. Can you do me a rundown of how many any group of five teams are in there because there's usually at least two or three, right? So how many are there now? Uh, do you count Oregon none. State? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. Or Wazoo. Uh, uh, from those 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 asterisk teams, it's zero, right? It is this week. I I think that's going to change as things sort of sort themselves out. But right. yeah, right now the group of five is not getting a lot of love. No nationally 
on, on the big stage. Yes. I'm not cross about it. I'm not bitter. I'm just, you know, I just want uh, like some sort of congressional hearing. To sort hey, James out. Madison did get three votes in the coaches poll. Oh, in the coaches poll. Okay, well, at least the coaches know something. There's some Sunbelt coaches voting in that. Including Kurt Signetti. I don't know if he voted for himself, but he's got a vote. Coach Signetti would vote for himself like three times. Be like, Coach Signetti, he's the best. I I just think it's impressive after their big win over ULM, Texas A&M and the others receiving votes once they <laughs> took down that powerful 2-0 team. Oh, you know what? That is testimony to your little Monroe team. I, You know, good for, good, good for ULM getting that sort of sort of halo effect uh i don't know uh, recognition from the from the lords that be i'm just proud the red wolf scored this week yeah absolutely it was pretty wild to see it happen it was like almost like it was like some fictional land that they had somehow breached by crossing in the, into the end zone but yeah yeah that's uh, it's lightened my mood that's for sure so Arkansas State did get their first win of the season, 31-7. to Tell me, Jeremy, was it that the Red Wolves were actually the better team and executed, or is Stony Brook just that bad? Well, I think that the answer would be the same, right? Because, because Stony Brook is that bad, which means that Arkansas State was the better team, right? But uh, No. <laughs> one of the things that came out of the game, there were two revelations. One is that Jaquiz Cross – is probably going to be your bell cow running back from here on. He's, I, I think coaching staff was hoping some of the bigger running backs were going to be more of the lead running backs. But Cross had 160 60 yards and a pair of touchdowns, looked really fast, uh, made some good decisions at the offensive line. That was nice. And the second thing that we think is going to happen is that they think finally figure out who that starting quarterback is going to be. Now, now, Coach Jones is being all coy. But they brought in uh, uh, Jalen uh, Rayner, the freshman, for the third and fourth quarters. And he immediately put out some touchdown drives that were just, you know, day and night different from what we had seen before. The game started with Jackson Daly. Uh, he put up two quick touchdowns, but they were all on the ground. Could not get that passing touchdown first of the season until Rayner got in there. So there's actually a little buzz amongst the fan base. It's, it's not a Cinderella story. I don't know if we're going to win a lot of games this year. But uh, people are getting a little bit happier seeing some form of competence emerging out of this team. Shane, James Madison traveled to lower Alabama. <laughs> showcase to the student section of Troy that they have a belt as we've seen all over the X. <laughs> Are you surprised by that, that it was that close of a game? I I expected it to be a close game. I, I don't know if I expected that if JMU kind of played a Troy style game, a 16, 14 type of game where they didn't get a whole lot done on offense that they'd come out on top. But, um, the fact that it was a one-score game was not surprising to me. I thought it was amusing that the spread was two points for Troy, and then yeah. JMU ends up winning by two. It was almost like Signetti made that happen just out of spite. Yeah, first time JMU's covered the spread this year. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Wow, okay. Yeah. 
that's pretty awesome. But yeah, once again, Troy is on one of those in one of those games that's just a defensive slobber knocker. Probably well, fun. I think, to the other, I think the other thing was that that JMU defense was the real difference that kept Troy negative in the rushing yards. They finished the game negative twelve. Gunnar Watson negative forty four yards, sacked <laughs> a total of six times. Ouch! Put the ice Good. in the bathtub for that guy. That to me is a real difference. That and I think that the, there was a, a pretty long delay to kick off that game due to weather. It seemed like every game was delayed due to weather uh, yeah. this past week, including one down in uh, down in Texas, right? A certain game with a certain A and M school. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, go back, listen to our previous episodes. That's exactly how I expected it to play out. Did I think that they were right. going to? Score 47? No, but I wasn't surprised either. Um, the Warhawks were just overmatched. They they were really unable to move the ball offensively. Story of the season so far. The defense was going up against some NFL talent that we'll see playing at the next level. They're not at that level yet. And, and, and so it was not really a, uh, a fair fight. It was a David Goliath. Goliath won. Roll into the bye and, and get ready for App State in two weeks. You know, Shane and I were a lot more optimistic. Next time, we'll just listen to you. We'll listen to the Eeyore of Monroe. Give us the real lowdown of what's going to happen with the Warhawks. I'll tell you the one game I was disappointed in, though. Yeah. Wisconsin 35, <laughs> Georgia Southern 14. And, 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 okay, I get it. It's a money game. You go there, you, you, you pay the bills. But five interceptions what the hell for davis brin and 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 let me read to you where these interceptions happen first interception of first quarter on the wisconsin 34 uh-huh in the second quarter wisconsin 43 so just over the 50 okay yeah. still in territory wisconsin 25 mm. on their own 40 okay, okay. you're approaching right. midfield the Wisconsin 35, the Wisconsin 14. If you score half those times, that's a completely different game. And somehow the Georgia Southern defense, only two of those turnovers led to scores. Wow. Still, two of those turnovers did lead to scores. Yeah, and th- that was disappointing because Bryn, coming off that Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Week performance, Comes in there with the five interceptions. You know, Clay Hilton wasn't very happy with that. Yeah, it was gross. It was disappointing for me, man. I I, I, I had five bucks on the game. I was feeling pretty smart after this, you know, the, the halftime, thinking they were at least going to beat the spread. And, you know, what was almost just as disappointing was, well, maybe just as disappointing, was ODU collapsing against Wake Forest. The Sun Belt had that game. What happened? Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. We're talking about kind of almost two opposite games, though. It was like, you know, Georgia Southern should have been in control if they don't turn the ball over. Old Dominion was staying ahead kind of via the Wake Forest mistakes and turnovers uh, and eventually kind of evened out for them. Never evened out for Georgia Southern. It just got worse in the second half. And, you know, I kept expecting like, oh, they're they're hanging in there with the turnovers. So the second half, they're going to get under control. They might have a chance to win this game. And it just went the opposite direction for Georgia Southern. And 
eventually flipped for ODU too. I was really preparing myself, guys, to accept a super smug monarchist on the show, and they would be deserving that smugness coming in, talking about these big wins, and now they don't get that. I was really disappointed. I was really disappointed to see that happen. In fact, I felt like the Sun Belt was sort of disappointing in the morning until later in the afternoon, suddenly the Sun Belt started picking up some wins. Yeah, also that mid-afternoon, the the game, I was disappointed because I really expected at least a a closer game. Tulane 21, Southern Miss 3. (laughs) Frank Gore not able to get it done on the ground, not able to complete his one passing attempt. Uh, About a 100-yard difference between the two teams, and and I think that there was a mile difference on the scoreboard there. Southern Miss just is is not really clicking right now, and and I don't know what it will take to – let them kind of get uh, get it going as they get ready to jump into Sunbelt Conference action after a bye week. Well, excuse me, they go to your neck of the woods. I, I feel like you were you were both making an honest mistake and insulting my Red Wolves at the same time. Well, it, it is a bye. <laughs> yeah. You ask yeah. what's going to get Southern Miss on track. I think I think it, we know. <laughs> it might be a good game against the Red Wolves. I don't know. You know, they come in only a six-point favorite against the Red Wolves. And I, I, I think the thing is, I don't think Southern Miss is that good. And I said that at the beginning of the year, and people kind of rolled their eyes at me. But I, I don't know if Southern Miss – I felt like Southern Miss got really lucky in a lot of games last year. Now everybody knows who Frank Gore Jr. is. They're going to stack the box and make it happen. They've got a, a, a quarterback who hasn't had a lot of big throws, so you, you don't have to worry about the quarterback beating you with the with the with the air game. Uh, I don't know. I, I I give credit to Tulane though. Tulane's a good team. We saw that against South Alabama. Uh, we saw that in their pretty good showing against Ole Miss. So I, I I don't know really what to think of this Southern Miss team yet. I guess I'll see for person this week or see yeah this week i've said it before right now the only thing separating the Sun Belt and the american for that battle of the uh the premier group of five league is willie fritz leaving georgia southern for tulane because tulane's carrying the flag for the aac right now with the with the wins against the uh Sun Belt. we may have to rent a black van and kidnap willie fritz yeah, and then turn them back into one of us. Maybe we can do that. Yes. I, I, you, do you know of a team that maybe needs some help? I don't want to say. <laughs> uh, I, I'll just keep that close close to the the vest. But we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that Willie Fritz style. I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to love at first, but it seems like it's going pretty good in Tulane. I'll say this. Willie Fritz spent some time in Pittsburgh, Kansas, which is not very far from Arkansas. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know why you would mention gonna If we're going to kidnap him and (laughs) deliver him somewhere, it's just a thought. All right. Okay. All right. Two games that I was excited about were the Sunbelt Conference wins over the American. (laughs) First, it was the Mountaineers. Yeah. Getting the big win and the complete sweep of East Carolina, 43-28. Started off slow, Tibbs. Started off slow, but we still saw Nate Noel 
claw his way 178 yards, now mm-hmm. leading the nation in rushing yardage and getting a touchdown. Joey Aguilar, 241 with three touchdowns. I think the Mountaineers have kind of kind of hit their stride. I, I, I like the way that they're playing right now. I think that they have uh, risen back up in the Sunbelt Conference East. Now, have the Pirates, have beating the Pirates lost some of its luster? I mean, you see the win again. The, the the Marshall had the win. Now Appalachian State has the big win. Were those good wins, or are they like, well, maybe the Pirates aren't very good? Do ULM fans still talk about the 07 win over Bama? You're damn right, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yes, you talk about it nonstop. It's quite aggravating. <laughs> uh, good for Appalachian State, though. I mean, you know, we we heard from Sean Clark. Uh, early in the show here with his thoughts. I, I, I actually picked the Mountaineers to be, be the, the one to beat in the East. Uh, I still think that they have plenty of talent on hand to make that happen. Uh, I think beating the Pirates still is pretty good, a pretty good win, no matter how, what, what state the Pirates are in. Uh, so I feel like this cements Appalachian State as a true contender in the East. What do you think, Shane? Yeah, I think, you know, App State's been good. I think the East is wide open. The, the whole division looks good. I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, a Georgia State team that's off to a hot start. And it just, you know, top to bottom, you know, ODU, we we lamented how bad ODU is going to be, and they're looking good. Yeah. App State has as good a chance as just about anybody in the Sun Belt East right now to end up coming out of that division. Yeah, Georgia and, Southern, you know, too. Yeah. Yeah. The Raging Cajuns raged on getting the sweep there of UAB. <laughs> yes. 41-21. I told y'all before the season, Zeon Chris was the quarterback to watch out for the Cajuns. When Ben Woolridge went down, they did have some Chandler Fields in there, but also Zeon Chris, 174 yards through the air, 103 passing with two touchdowns. And the ground attack. Once again, the Cajuns have another phenomenal back. Jacob Cabote. 108 yards, one touchdown, and he got put on scholarship this week. <laughs> nice. Hey, does this mean we, we talked about our, is Appalachian State back? Are the Cajuns back? I, I don't know. You know, they have one good game against UAB, and do we go, oh, the Cajuns are back? But maybe they are. I mean, that was a really, def, you know, just sort of a stomping of a UAB program that historically is pretty good. I don't know if they're going to get this year, but historically they're pretty good. So hats off to Mike D, Coach Mike D, for a big win against UAB. And yeah, we're looking aside from aside from Tulane and one game against Memphis. Our uh, Sunbelt looking really good against the American. Yeah, nice bounce back for the Cajuns too. I mean, they had a sure. tough time, have tough time in Norfolk against ODU. Um, tough way to start conference play for them, but you know, bounce back with a win against you know and something of a name brand team. Like like yeah. you said, UAB has got that that history. It always looks good to beat a team that people have heard of. Yeah, absolutely. You beat the Blazers. It's always something special. Couple ho hum games throughout the weekend as well. The nightcap. Texas State, one point shy of a program record of scoring 
77-34 over the former primetime of Jackson State. Bobcats, 35 seconds in, it was a 7-0 game and never even came close to looking back. That was a fun one to watch. Malik Hornsby even gets into the action late. The Arkansas transfer with a couple of long runs. TJ Finley, of course, doing his thing through the air and on the ground. It was fun to see Texas State finally just turn it on and blow somebody out. Something that we've been waiting for to see it happen. Now they just got to move past it and get ready for their final non-conference game. Yeah, you know, G.J. Kinney just doing his thing down there. And his thing has been quite extraordinary. Uh, I think we all kind of thought Finley might be a good quarterback. I kind of thought it was going to be Hornsby. Uh, he said he got in, and that's great. But doing something that we haven't seen Texas State do in a long time, and that's just score a lot of points. I remember when they first came in the league or in the conference, they were more of a defensive team. You know, they, they they made their bread and butter stopping the run and stopping the pass. And now they are the pass. They are the run. So it's a new story out there in San Marcos. And uh, and they're going to be a contender in the in the West. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. Yeah. As Jeremy says, the Sun Belt doesn't lose to the FCS. Bobcats <laughs> took care of business. They, they, they took care of business in that regard. And uh yeah, I don't know what else to say about it, really, except for, yeah, the offense is looking looking good. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure, yeah, anybody can look good maybe against that depleted Jackson State team. I, yeah, like we, we've we heard, there was some celebrity coach took a lot of their players, but... Uh, but uh, 77 against anybody is, is 77 points. points. Yeah. <laughs> still a lot of points. Not quite to that level, but close. The shots, 66. The apparently now in South Louisiana, according to Jeremy, Duquesne Dukes. <laughs> only scoring seven here's the guy i'm going to give a shout out in this game for ethan vasco a freshman quarterback got in completed his only pass for one yard a 108 qb rating <laughs> i love it good for that kid he'll always have that moment to treasure the day he picked up the the slack for grace and mccall <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything to say about that game except that 66 points is also a lot of points. The one thing I, I, I will say about this game, in all seriousness, it was a little concerning that I'm sure that Coastal was, was really going way down on the depth chart to, to get some guys some play time. They still surrendered almost 350 yards, though, of, mm -hmm. of, of total offense to the Dukes. So a little concerning that maybe – that Coastal Carolina doesn't have much depth on defense, but still, yeah, a phenomenal win. They were able to really just control it from tip to top and and, and roll on from there. Well, we all know that Coastal Carolina generally does the bare minimum to win. So maybe that's a product of that. But can you also say, is it worrisome that JMU's pass offense or pass defense looks exploitable? Should we worry about that, Shane? I know we're going back, but I, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, to some degree, yeah. I think um, th there's been some issues, and it's been – a lot of times it's been just assignment issues, guys not being where they're supposed to be. Um, but I also think – I'm starting to think more and more that JMU puts so much into stopping the run. They're, they're leaving their D-backs one-on-one so often that – 
they're kind of willing to give it up a little bit to just completely shut down the run games and make teams one dimensional uh, and think they're going to outscore you if they play that way. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the secondary. I think it could burn them at some point. Three weeks into the season. Sunbelt, 3-0 and against the P5 as the Jaggy Wires go to Oklahoma State, 33-7. to Another dominant performance there for the Sunbelt in that game. It was interesting also that the Jaguars were named the Cheez-It Team of the Week, something that the Sunbelt had been nominated for the previous two weeks with Texas State getting the nomination in week one, JMU week two. We finally got it in week three. Yeah, thank God. The finally, we may not have a Heisman winner or a Werfel trophy or an Outlander or whatever all these trophies are, but we are the cheesiest conference in all of college football. Congratulations, us. Hey, man, that was a surprising win. You know, it, I was in the press box at uh, Arkansas State at the time, and everybody was just like, I mean, I don't think people were necessarily surprised that South Alabama was beating the Cowboys. I think there was a surprise that it was just so dominating. Just there, it was like it was like Oklahoma State had zero chance. Yeah, I mean that was my surprise too. Was seeing the score. I, I think we all thought South Alabama, if they played their best, they had a chance to win. But yeah, it was never even close. Like a balanced offense for South Alabama. It, it was just everything you could have asked for from from the Jaguars. <laughs> Now, can we is it can we assume from this that the Jags are back? I mean, we 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 kind of trashed them after Tulane, and then they had that FCS game where they looked really sluggish, and then they come to Oklahoma State and just say, "We own you." Are they back? Are they ready to be the big chief in the in the Sun Belt West? I love you, Governor, but hell no. I'm not saying it. Oh, okay. Oh, because you've been hurt so many times, Tibbs. I get that. You know what? When a man is hurt, it's hard for for him to tear down those 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 bricks that he's walled up with his heart with. I get that. But man, that was a big win. You gotta admit, it wasn't like UCLA. What yeah. have you done for me lately? <laughs> I'm not gonna put too much weight into the FCS game, and I'm not gonna put a ton into this one until we see what happens next. If they come out and dominate central Michigan though, Uh then I am really, really looking forward to that week five trip to Harrisonburg and I'll be there. And that that should be a lot of fun. Let's hope that they don't overlook the chips. The chips are only one and two this year, but man, you never overlook the chips. It's like never engage in a land war with the Russians in Asia. And never overlook the chips. A team that we were probably overlooking. Mm-hmm. They're sneaky good 3-0. and yes. The Georgia State Panthers, 41. Charlotte 49ers, 25. Jeremy, we have people here that know way more about this game than we do. So we will bring in Brady Weiler to give us the lowdown. Shane, Jeremy, the team that we always seem to love in the latter part of the season is in the ATL where they are the hot Lana team. But this year they're flipping the script quietly three and O as they recently went to Charlotte to pick up the win. 
Guys, what do you think so far? Pretenders or contenders out of the Panthers? Uh, quite frankly, uh, I, I feel like I, – I don't know if the team as a whole is as good as the quarterback, but I do feel like Darren Granger may have cemented himself as right now the best quarterback in the Sun Belt. People will have their uh, their arguments for T.J. Finley, of course, for Grayson McCall. Carter Bradley has been kind of picking it up. If it weren't for five interceptions from Davis Brin, I'm sure he'd have his – is calling, but man, I, I don't know how you can look at what Granger is doing and not saying he's the Heisman of the Sun Belt. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there to uh, at least to a certain degree. I mean, he's carrying Georgia State so much right now, and you know, like like Dusty said, three and zero start when September's haven't always been kind to this team in the last few years. To to get off to that kind of start, I think is huge for huge for the Panthers right now. Well, it's funny about Tibbs, too. Tibbs is like, well, you know, the, the team we love at the end of the season. A lot of times we love them at, right before the season, right? It's always like, man, this is the year of of, of Georgia State, man. This is going to be the year that it happens. And then it, you get that slow start, and then you start hating them. And then all of a sudden they start doing stuff that makes you think, well, maybe it's time to love them again. But now we can love them kind of early, right? Oh. Darren Granger is definitely the most exciting player to see in the Sun Belt right now. And a guy that gets the front row seat week in, week out. PantherTalk.com, Thursday night podcast. Brady Weiler joins us. Brady, fresh back from Charlotte. Tell us, what's what's going on with these Panthers? Are, are, are they real? Are, are they still... Uh, just dragging us along <laughs> yeah fresh back from charlotte and actually we're gonna hit the road again and head down to, uh, or head up to the beach for the thursday night game so it's gonna be kind of a, a hectic travel week uh, for the team and for the reporting so yeah but you know when you come off a big win against charlotte that travel isn't so bad yeah no and you know just on that side of things last year they had some early season injuries and they've got a couple of guys that took some injuries in the charlotte game that Status is unclear, but certainly in a better spot as far as that goes heading into conference play than they were last year, where they they also played Coastal on a short week last year at home, and they just lost the game to Charlotte that really came out of nowhere because they were 20-point favorites in that game. Uh, they had some more injuries at that point, and they just kind of got beat off the bricks, you know, beat up to start that game and never came back. Kind of continued the the bad vibes, whereas this year – you know, it was Rhode Island, UConn, and this week against Charlotte. And I think you could really make the case that Rhode Island's the best of those teams just based on the way the season's gone for UConn and Charlotte. So if the best team you've played might be the FCS team on your schedule, you haven't really hit any kind of real challenge, especially in the Sun Belt. So remains to be seen. But like you were talking about with Granger, like I think that you can be nothing but encouraged about the steps that he's taken. He added some weight in the offseason. You know, the, the team had a new strength coach and it was a big emphasis of getting in the weight room early, starting spring early so they could get into their weight program early and just getting a new attitude to avoid letting games slip in the second half. Cause they had leads in the second half in seven of the eight games they ended up losing last year. And I think you're kind of seeing 
the uh, the bump from that and from Darren Granger taking another step, having his offensive coordinator technically night around for another offseason instead of having two offensive coordinators in the spring like he had going into the 2022 season. Uh, and, yeah, he had the star performance. He was the best-graded quarterback in FBS this past weekend by PFF uh, for his performance against Charlotte. Outstanding. Uh, you and when this team who wants to run the ball like crazy gets it going through the air, it's going to be really hard for defenses to know what they're going to you know how they're going to stop them. Darren yes. Granger only 466 yards this past week, only such a bad word, I know. But what else do, do the Panthers have? Because all of last year, there was not another Panther that attempted a pass. This year, he's the only guy that's been in the backfield there. What else can we expect? Because, I mean, it, it's great that he's carrying the Panthers, but if and when he goes down, I feel like that that's going to really kill the momentum there that, that Sean Elliott's really built this season. I guess my counter would be, I don't know who you could look at at the Sun Belt level who wouldn't get affected that badly by losing their number one quarterback. I mean, maybe JMU because we saw that they started another guy at the beginning of the year, but there were some questions there, and they obviously went to McLeod for a reason, so... I think everyone would love to be too deep at quarterback, but it's very, very hard at this day and age of college football because you have guys leave when they're not playing. Um, and in the meantime, I th- I think that you just kind of enjoy the highs and you don't worry about uh, what could go wrong. But McKeeley Colasurdo is the backup quarterback. He used a Mr. Gatorade or whatever you call it in South Carolina. Um, he has been there for a few years and actually has kind of stemmed the tide of like, I'm not playing, I'm going to leave. He's been... He's Redshirt Jr. now, and so he's got got some pocket presence. You know, he hasn't really been called on, but if the worst were to happen, they do have someone who has been in the offense for several years now. Brady, we talked a lot about Darren Granger, but talk a little bit about Robert Lewis, who had a big game against uh, Charlotte, last, or last, I guess on Saturday, 200 yards. Tell us a little bit about this guy. Yeah, 220 yards broke the uh, record Broke the record for receiving yards in a single game, which was actually set by Jamari Thrash last year when Georgia State played Charlotte. So uh, Charlotte is having a bad run of facing Georgia State receivers. Uh, And the thing is, is leading into this season, it's the thing the coaches always say, maybe. So you take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, when asked about what was going to happen or losing a guy like Jamari Thrash, Coach Elliott said uh, that. Robert Lewis was the guy they kind of thought was going to take that jump last year. And he got hurt earlier in the year. Thrash ended up stepping up in a major way, attracting the attention of schools like Louisville, where he is now playing football. But apparently this is not that surprising for, you know, the staff. They thought that he was a talented guy. He had a touchdown streak stretching between the beginning of, or the end of 2021 to 2022. So, it, he wasn't a total unfamiliar name for us either. He's been a guy that's kind of showed up on the stat sheet, but has really made that kind of wide receiver one position his. But another guy who had a great game was Tyleek Williams, who I think, and we think of Thursday Night Podcast, has had a really good year. Like we had been singing his praises in a more low-key way through the first couple of games. He'd been just kind of making catches here or there, diverse little route combinations. But in this game, had a 78-yard 70 yard touchdown catch. And so... They've been pretty bullish on their receivers, even though it's a team that's going to be run first. And even though they lost, 
their number one receiver heading into this year, a guy who had a thousand yards last year. So, so far coaching staff's proving right. Uh, Trent McKnight, the OC was the receivers coach before he was now the quarterback's coach in the OC. And, you know, between Sam Pinckney, who's now a coastal Cornelius McCoy, Lewis thrash, Tyler Williams, got a good track record of getting good wide receivers, especially knowing that they're going to a system that it's going to be running, you know, 60% of the time, a lot of the time. You talk about guys who have stepped up. Tell me a little bit more about Marcus Carroll. Looks like he just gets better and better every year. And when you add that kind of running back to, um, you add that kind of running back to what Granger has as a, as a double threat quarterback, just what's that mean to the offense? Yeah, another thing where, you know, Tucker Gregg and Jam Williams were the two guys the last couple of seasons. And, you know, it's not been since Trey Barnett in 2019 that they had kind of a bell cow back. That They liked going with a little bit of a system, running back by committee. But from pretty early on in this offseason in spring or uh, in fall camp, it, it felt like what the words they were saying I think at media days, Coach Elliott said something like, we think Marcus Carroll could be the best back that's ever been at Georgia State. It felt like they were leaning towards him being like the guy. And that's what that's what's been the case so far. Uh, all but maybe like five carries in non-garbage time have gone to Carroll. He's been the running back and just a, he's a tough runner. He's got really good balance and he's patient. And the offensive line is going to give him a big hole eventually and so it's been a little bit inconsistent with the running game so far but they're going to keep going to that inside zone and after a while of the offensive line just leaning on the front all game long they're going to hit one and you know they hit a 63 yard run uh in the opener against rhode island uh last week actually the biggest run of the day was just 12 yards charlotte actually did a really good job i think their front was the one spot where they really had some real talent and it kind of showed and so it's not going to be the first time the Georgia State faces a good front in the Sun Belt, you know, this season because of all of those defenses, even just in the East, you know, Marshall and JMU that have really good fronts. So they're going to have to find a way to punch through some of those better. And they were able to lean on the passing game this past week. But Carroll is another guy that's impressive. He's waited his time. He's now a junior, but he sat behind two guys last year that were getting the lion's share of the reps. And now it's his turn. And I think you could expect to see a lot of big stat lines for him because he's going to keep getting the ball, keep getting the ball. And when those holes are there, he's going to take them. So forget about Charlotte and forget about Rhode Island and whoever else, you know, uh, the Panthers have played so far. The big game now is with the Chanticleers. Thursday night football, all eyes on the Sun Belt, all eyes on these programs. Georgia State sometimes on a Thursday night doesn't really have the best of luck against big time programs like this. But I, I'm not saying necessarily that the Chanticleers are big time, but they're big time in the Sun Belt because they're sort of the you know for the last few years been the the, the standard for the East. How how what's the confidence like with the team going into this game, and how is it different from years past? Yeah, I just think that, you know, this is the first time Georgia State's ever been 3-0. and And we don't really know what the impact of that is because they're heading into games where they're playing Coastal Carolina, following that up with Troy and Marshall. And those last two are at home, but you're immediately hitting real tough sledding as soon as conference play starts. But last year, they started out 
oh and four the year before they started out one and four and it felt like a real battle back and it's mm-hmm. something they've talked about wanting to get off to fast starts and not have to play from behind and so they've achieved that goal their schedule immediately gets tougher but they got through those first few games with wins uh you saw another side of the offense with the passing game this past week and so i think that has to mean something because we know coastal is going to be a tough out uh I think it's going to be an interesting game to watch because I think you alluded to, you know, maybe Darren's been the best quarterback in the Sun Belt. Obviously, another name on people's lips when they're talking that conversation is Grayson McCall. So it might be a battle between the two best co- quarterbacks in the conference uh, on Thursday. And it, funny enough, after all of that with Darren, I actually think, you know, Coastal's run defense might be where there's the opportunity there and the Georgia State leans back on the run more, you know, the game after throwing for 466, getting back into what they, their, what's in their DNA with running the ball. Interesting to uh, see if that's how they are able to have success because it might be a case where if Grace McCall's only on the field for 25, 27 minutes, he's not as able to hurt you and take uh, shots at your defense if he's just on the sideline. And so that's what I'm going to be watching going into this game is just, are they able to kind of re- really establish the run? Uh, because it looks like an area that maybe is exploitable on Coastal's end, and it's something we know Georgia State's really going to want to do. And haven't really seen like that A1, you know, A-plus run game from them yet. And so it would also be, as far as what Sean Elliott wants this team to be, you know, the first instance of that being able to happen. And, would, you know, two birds, one stone might be what will help them win the game as well. It's scary to think we're already a fourth of the way through the college football season. Any surprises you've really seen across the league of, of teams that maybe are shining brighter than you expected or falling flat? Well, I mean, the obvious one, I don't know that a lot of people were expecting Texas State to immediately make that imprint with Coach Kinney and win at Baylor, put up 42. Obviously, they set like the land speed record with scoring against Jackson State this past Saturday, dropped 77. So they're obviously one. Uh, I was going to say that South Alabama was kind of not meeting my expectations until this past Saturday. But then in the press box of the Charlotte game, I like openly guffawed when I saw the tweet of that they were up 23 nothing at half at Oklahoma State. So obviously they've kind of turned the corner and they are back in the good graces. And it feels like they're kind of where everyone's going to think they're back in the driver's seat for the West. But uh, I've been... You know, the thing that I had circled with JMU was with the quarterback change, not having Todd Santeo and a pretty brutal road stretch right out of the gate. They've still got one more of those games to go. They head to Utah State this Saturday, but I'm impressed so far that they've found a way to win two games on the road, charge environment at UVA, uh, tough defense with Troy, found a way to edge that one out. And so they were kind of, a team that everyone had high hopes for, and they've still found a way to surprise, I guess, in a way. So I I guess that's the mark of a good program because they've still done what they've wanted to do and got undefeated to this point. So that'd be another one for sure. And uh, I'm happy for ULM to get off to this winning start. Obviously, last Saturday didn't go well, but it was a good win over the Army team that has looked you know, is aging better and better because they went down to UTSA and kind of marched on them. I always feel like everyone's patting me on the head saying, that's cute, ULM. <laughs> you have a cute little team down there in Monroe, buddy. That's a cute little team. <laughs> Brady, I got a pertinent question for you, one that's, that, that may be the final question that we ask, given the importance of it. Have you ever been headbutted 
by Coach Sean Elliott? And if so, are you pressing charges? I am sad to report that I have not. I, I do think it is funny. You know, that is kind of like the media presence vibe everyone has because that clip always rolls around on Twitter of him doing that with the players. But I think it is surprising or would be surprising how much you, if you were, you know, in these media sessions with him, how much he chops it up. Like he is always trying to keep it light. He is cutting jokes all the time. Uh, and it, it's funny, just kind of the, the disconnect between like just the, the big picture view from thousand yards on him and what he's actually like on the day-to-day basis. Brady, we appreciate you joining us. Tell everyone how they can get some more Brady in their lives. Yeah, I am on Twitter slash what well, I'm not going to do slash. It's, it's just called Twitter. Uh, but Brady ah. M. Weiler, uh, my name, uh, and my the links to the two sites, you know, my, podca- my podcast and the website I write for are on there. But it's the Thursday night podcast. We're on SoundCloud and Panther Talk, uh, Georgia State. Dot two four seven sports.com is where I put my words. And uh yeah, like I said, be at as of now 10 of the 12 games this year. So I'm looking forward to almost a full schedule covering this team and looking forward to see where this hot hot start takes them. He's a lot Thank better you. than Jeremy. He's actually hitting the road and doing the work. That's right. Doing the real journalism that I refuse to do. Shane Jeremy. There we have the inside scoop on the Panthers. I don't. I, I still don't know what to think of the Panthers. I I, I, I feel like it, it, it's a dream that Sean Elliott's going to come up and headbutt me. I'm going to realize then that he's just pissed that he's zero and three instead of three and zero. I can tell just through that interview that you are resisting having any love for the Panthers. That you felt it encroaching and you didn't want to be hurt again by the Panthers. Uh, I I don't I don't have that kind of relationship with the Panthers. If 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 it was the the Jaggy Wires, yeah, right. I, I'd I'd still be a little little down. I feel like we're going to learn so much about Georgia State this week. I mean, if they can beat Coastal on the road, back to back road games, that's going to tell us a lot about that. Even if it's like even if they're very competitive, I think it tells us that they're a team to not be taken lightly in the in the Sun Belt East. And are we really prepared? for a Georgia State brimming with that much confidence. I don't know. I don't know if we can take that level, that voltage of of confidence coming out of Atlanta. But while we wait Mm -hmm. on all of that fun stuff, we have also women's soccer that has kicked off in Sunbelt Conference action, Jeremy. Has it? Good. It has. Your Red Wolves fell to James Madison, Old Dominion, over Coastal Carolina, Texas State, 3-0 shutout over the Cajuns, App State, 1-0 over Troy, South Alabama, Southern Miss, nobody wanted to score. Yeah, 0-0. The the battle in Georgia, State v. Southern, postponed due to the good old monsoons, and more importantly, your Warhawks travel to Huntington and get a 3-1 win. Oh, that's that's so charming. Of the Warhawks. That's just you know what else is charming, Jeremy? (laughs) Our plugs, promos, and parting shots. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say something like the 10 and 2 Red Wolves volleyball team leading the West, but that's all right. All right. We can do plugs, promos, and parting shots. Hmm. What do I do with a plug, promo, and parting shot? I mean, I could complain about the AP top 25, totally ignoring the group of five, but I, I felt like I already covered that. I could cover the – we could talk a little bit about Colorado and Colorado State. What a 
what an interesting and kind of ugly game that turned out to be. I I, I feel like a, a lot of this Deion Sanders uh, coverage is is it's become a little toxic, and I don't know if that's really good for the game. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. We could talk about what was more disappointing, ODU blowing its big lead against Wake Forest or Davis Britt throwing five interceptions versus Wisconsin to sort of take them out of that game that was actually very winnable. We could talk about the positive notes about uh, South Alabama kind of refinding themselves and getting that big win over Oklahoma State. We can also look to the future and say, hey, guys, there are four Sunbelt versus Mac games going on next week. Wow. Is the Mac, Mac action tournament actually happening already? We could talk about all those things. And I kind of think like we just did. So that's my parting shot. My parting what? shot is that you keep saying there's uh-huh. four Sunbelt Mac games this week, but there's only three. Are you sure? I felt like I'm I pretty sure. Four. All right. Okay. Let's see. I got the list here. Your tweet, you had uh-huh. two Mountain West and four Mac, but it's three and three, I'm pretty sure. All right, so there's Buffalo. That's Mac, right? Yep, Mac. And then Central Michigan is Mac. Yes. And Ball State is Mac. Yes. Yes. You know that you're absolutely right. That's three. It's three. And two I, Mountain I can't West. Count three. Well, Three yeah, Mountain West. Yeah, because Utah State, Nevada, and Wyoming. Wyoming. I wonder if I saw Wyoming and thought, Mac. But that's Mountain West. It is. Well, thanks for correcting me in front of our audience of millions, Shane. Well, I tweeted at you earlier and you ignored it. So I had well, to I call usually you ignore the people. Okay. You know, here's the thing, though. If you have and our six talk- listeners in Afghanistan. I think we got like 24 in the Netherlands, which I found crazy. But, uh, Shane, if I'm going to be corrected, I'd like it to be by a Heisman voter. So thank you very much. I actually appreciate that. You're welcome. And my plug, <laughs> dnronline.com slash Forbes. My parting shot oh, here it comes. is going to hit close to home for you, Shane. Oh, Print media sucks, and it's dying. <laughs> Oh, man. This past weekend in North Louisiana, obviously the Warhawks lose. Louisiana Tech lost, cha-ching, to North Texas. Lead story in the Monroe New Star paper online. Taylor Swift concert coming to Cinemark. Are you not a Swifty? You know what? If she came to Little Rock, I would be first in line for tickets. I don't even have, I don't really listen to her music. I feel like that guy she puts on a great show. This is great news for not just, you know, the readers of the newspaper, but everyone in Louisiana and possibly the Mid South. This from a guy that thinks Duquesne is in South Louisiana and bet his mortgage on the Red Wolves to win a national title. Duquesne? I think Duquesne might be Louisiana. 